you are going to create a bond with these kids like no other. And it's in support of your kids. That's what you're really doing. You're supporting your kids to be better parents. Take advantage of that. Just enjoy the moment because you never know how long it's going to last. Welcome to the Adventures with Grammy podcast. I am your host, Carolyn Barry. This podcast is for grandparents on the go with their grandchildren and for parents who want to ensure loving relationships across the generations. I welcome your input and your feedback on every episode of the podcast we produce. Please send me an email at carolyn at adventureswithgrammy.com or connect with me on Twitter and Instagram at Grammy Adventure. Please follow or subscribe to my podcast. It's free so you won't miss an episode and ask your family and friends to do the same. You can subscribe to the monthly newsletter by visiting my website, adventureswithgrammy.com, and clicking the newsletter sign-up link. This week's guest is Gramps Jeffrey, a grandfather of six and the author of the children's book, I Don't Want to Be Three. He also is the author of a business book, The Secrets of Retailing, How to Beat Walmart. He wrote the book to help entrepreneurs and small businesses compete against the big guys. He also has written more than 100 articles for the Huffington Post about small business, education, the homeless, and nonprofit organizations. Gramps Jeffrey, welcome to the Adventures with Grammy podcast. Please tell us about your writing journey and why you wrote your children's book. This is, uh, this is really the second book I wrote. My first book was a business book uh, called The Secrets of Retailing, How to Beat Walmart. The book that uh, we're talking about today is my second book, and I wrote it uh, for my grandkids is really why I wrote it. Well, the title of the book is I Don't Want to Turn Three. And uh, the reason I wrote this book is, you know, living this past year because of the pandemic uh, caused by the COVID-19 and isolation, except for, you know, being with the family, gave me special time to watch and interact with all the grandkids. And I'm telling you, what a trip when you, when you actually spend the time to interact with all the grandkids. You know, I've got six grandkids and they all completely have completely different kinds of personalities. The one thing that they do have in common is a sense of curiosity. This is really what drove me to, uh, to write this book, the sense of curiosity and how excited I got when they accomplished something new. You know, they, they really look at me, look what I did. You know, watching them grow year to year and how they interact with each other really is the basis for, for the book. What goes through a toddler's mind, what, what you know, when you're two and three years old, what are they thinking? What are, you know, why are they reacting that way? Uh, when does a toddler understand the difference between me and us? Uh, it's very, uh, anybody's had grandkids knows the old, it's about me when they're two years old. Uh, this explores uh, this book. How, how finally the family comes together and figures all that out. You know, as a baby boomer, trying to understand how the world has evolved since I was uh, three years old is also a part of the story. You think about it, my parents didn't have cell phones. They didn't have the internet. They didn't have remotes. They didn't have cable TV. Uh, in fact, I can still remember when uh, my, my dad uh, said that I uh, go change the channel because I became the remote. You know, when you're a kid, that's what you do. You go up, you change the channel. You're the remote of the uh, uh, 50s and 60s and the 70s. Uh, you know, my, my parents' definition of discipline is quite different 
I think, in the parents of today. As, as today's world made it for a better place for children to grow up, I'll let you uh, answer that and all the other grandparents of today. Uh, you know, as you weigh how they uh, were treated, we were treated compared to how the kids are treated today. The real reason I wrote this book is I wanted to read it to these grandkids. And their reaction to me has been invaluable. You know, as you watch them understand Jordan's, Jordan's the uh, main character in the book, uh, discovery of right versus wrong, and Jordan is the one who's turning from two to three. You can see the older kids, you know, have gone through the same dilemma. You can see the younger kids don't quite understand you know, the concept of sharing and getting along. And so this whole experience for me has been priceless. So to sum it up, that's why I wrote this book. I love that Jordan thinks everything is mine and how the older kids cope with that. And you have an interesting question. At what age does one begin to take responsibility for his or her actions? And that seems to be a theme throughout your book. And, you know, when you think about it, when, when do we take responsibilities? Is it we're three years old? Is that when it happens? Is it, uh, is it 13? Uh, is it 23? Or maybe in some cases, it's 63. Uh, you know, you and I are about the same age. So hopefully we're starting to take, uh, you know, responsibility for the actions that we are doing. But uh, that, that, that's key to it. You know, and it keeps going back to we were growing up. And, and I take a look at, I think about how my parents disciplined me and, uh, and uh, did what I do today versus what my, I see my kids doing to theirs. I mean, I remember when I was uh, uh, you know, growing up, I was scared to death of my father. I mean, uh, his discipline was uh, he had a belt and he had a paddle. You know, the paddle was uh, his fraternity paddle. And he, you know, if uh, we got out of line, he came looking for us. In fact, I remember one late fall day, my brother Larry and I decided that we've had enough of this paddle. So we took the paddle out and we buried it in a pile of leaves. And then it snowed the next week. And then the next year, when the snow melted, the paddle was gone. And to me, that was a miracle. Kids, kids, kids don't, you know, my kids don't paddle their kids anymore. You know, they don't run around the kitchen table with a belt. It's a whole different world of how you handle that. Is it better? Is it worse? You know, I guess we're all the judge of that. My mother would make us go out to the tree and get a switch. So we had to go out and get our own weapon that was going to be used against us. And my dad had a belt, but I was the definition of Miss Goody Two-Shoes. So I didn't get into trouble very often. And I only remember one time my father ever hitting me and it was mostly talking to me and I, I didn't want to disappoint my parents. And as you were talking about being afraid of your dad, I look back and I think, well, maybe in a way I was a bit afraid of him, but I think it was more that I didn't want to disappoint them. And with my own children, my husband and I were not spankers. I think we took a more gentle approach to kids. And I'm happy to see that my kids, my own children are modeling that type of discipline with their own children as well. Two of my kids live here in Arizona with me. I mean, two of the grandkids, two live in uh, Austin, Texas, and two live in, uh, in Orlando, Florida. And I was lucky enough this past week to have 
the two from uh, Austin in here. One of them, which celebrated his birthday, he turned four. Luckily, you know, there was a time off in the summer, so we were able to have the other two here. So we had four kids in the house all last week. And you're right. I think we learned, at least I learned from my parents, that's not the way to raise kids. You've got to give them a chance to, to understand stuff. And I saw that through my, my uh, kids this, today, this last week, because both of the, uh, the two-year-old and four-year-old, they were in timeout. And that's how they explain it to them. They move them, when they, when they see them going off the wall and getting crazy, or, I mean, they, they actually move them over to timeout. And you can see that over time, this has worked because nobody wants to be in timeout. Nobody wants to be all by themselves until they apologize. Um, so that's the new way to do it. And uh, I'm all for that. I think it fosters that sense of curiosity. We have to allow children to be children and children are going to not tell us the truth sometimes. And children are going to do things that disappoint us. If we are harsh with the children, then I think that's when the curiosity begins to wane because they are a little afraid to explore their world. And I think we need to say to the children, as you do in the book, everything is not yours. You have to respect other people's property and you can't take your cousin's ballet slippers. Only through conversation and helping them learn right from wrong through talking is the way of fostering that sense of community, that sense of curiosity, and an acceptance of other people's rights. And I think that is what helps young children begin to learn right from wrong. Yeah, and also along with that, as long as we're talking about books, the benefit of reading to children uh, is just immense because it kind of reinforces just about everything you, you said. You know, you kind of say, well, why, why should you read to children? Well, you know, one of the reasons is uh, it's a good bonding experience. You know, it's, it's a great way for a mother or grandmother and grandfather to, to spend time with their kids. And so it, it, one of the reasons you should read and read my book, but read all kinds of other books too, of course, is, is because it, unless you spend the children the time together, it, it helps make the kids feel secure. And again, I saw this last week, you know, when it was bedtime, they wanted to read books. They said mine was favorite, but I think they did that because uh, of the gramps, but they always were picking out books to read. They, they liked that whole bonding before they went to bed. And even during the day, they would pick a book up and, and do that. You know, another reason to, to make sure your kids are reading books uh, with you is uh, it supports the listening skills. You know, and that's the key. You can see it when they're one, two, three, four, five years old. They've got to get to them and tell them and teach them to listen. Um, you know, so, so reading a book requires them to listen and take some focus to do that, you know, and, and that, that's, that's good for that. So that's another reason why you should always be uh, pushing to read, read with your kids, because it helps support that whole listening thing. And the listening skills are really what gets you through life when it comes down to it. You know, another reason that they should be, uh, you should be reading to your uh, kids is because it helps the language development, the cognitive development, um, you know, helps expand the variety and the number of words that they learn or they hear. And I, I see that, you know, like, for instance, uh, with my book, the eight-year-old last week was reading it to the two, three, and five-year-old. 
And uh, you could just see that it was helping her as much as it was helping them. And so it was helping her to understand a lot of the words that were in the books. And then she actually, when the kids asked her, she explained it to him. So this whole cognitive and language development, you know, it, it is important for us all. And, you know, the grandparents should be taking the lead on this to, to make sure that we're always reading books, you know, at all kinds of levels to the kids and almost at, and almost at any age. You know, and, and then the, the fourth reason that I see that, you know, you got to keep reading the kids is to create that attention span. Again, when you're, when you're a little kid, you go from one thing to the other. But if you can get them to create an extension attention span for you know, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, you know, this key concentration self-discipline skills, they go on for a long time for these kids. So I encourage any of your listeners to make an extra effort to read books to kids because over time, it will make a difference in their development. And back on the conversation about guidance and discipline, reading books that are social stories, like your book and some others, is a way of helping children learn about appropriate behavior without grandparents or parents preaching to them, because they can see themselves in these characters and think, oh, maybe I shouldn't do that, or maybe I should act like this other character and not Jordan and take all of my cousin's things. So I think reading is definitely important. I certainly did it with my kids and with my grandchildren when I have the opportunity. But I think also social stories are good for helping shape behavior. But also children have an amazing capacity to comprehend the spoken word. So as you're reading to a child, even if it is a book that is not written for toddlers, a more complex book, they can still start to understand and appreciate just the language and be exposed to a variety of vocabulary. You talk about developing their cognitive skills, the difference between a child who, is, who grows up in a house without literature and a child who grows up with a rich literary environment is 40 to 50,000 words. And that makes such a difference when they're entering school. Oh yeah, in fact, you know, as you're sitting down to read to the children, you know, you should ask them a few questions. Like before you read, you know, you can say to, the, uh, to your grandkids, you know, what do you think is gonna happen in this book? I mean, they, that's, that helps them start to think about you know, what, and do that before you even start to read. This is what, here's the title of the book. What do you think is going to happen? Uh, you know, and then as, as you're doing the reading, you know, you, you reinforce, you can ask them because you want to get them participatory. You want to make sure that their intentions, attention span keeps going. So you want to get them involved in questions and so forth. You can ask them, you know, who are the characters in the book? You know, who, what, what, who are they? What, tell me about what you're, what you're hearing. You know, where is the setting? Where is this happening? Is it happening at home? Is it a fantasy? You know, let, let, you know, it's good to get them involved during the reading of the book. And then, you know, you can always ask them, does anything in the book seem familiar to you? Do you can you relate to this? Does, does this happen in your head, in your mind, in your life? Um, you know, so while you're reading the book, you should interact and keep, keep the conversation going. And then when you're done reading the book, you know, always ask them, what was your favorite part? 
why was that your most favorite part? The reading of books just isn't just reading and, and telling. It's you, you got to get them to interact. And the more you do that, you'll you'll find that they want to hear more books, and then you know they'll go out and pick out the books that look interesting to them. Everything that you just said can also be applied to the classroom learning. One of the hallmarks of learning is setting a purpose for reading. When children have experienced that in their homes on the laps of Gramps or Grandma or Nana, then when they get into the classroom, they have ingrained in them already that I have to know what the purpose of this book is and what is the purpose of my reading it. And it helps them transition into learning. So all of the tips that you just gave our listeners can be applied to classroom learning as well. Yeah, I guess you know, almost every moment of, of, of life and living for these little kids is a classroom, you know, and you're the guy. And the more you can guide them, you know, the better. But I gotta tell you, when you reach our age, you know, and you got all these little kids running around, you know, last week I couldn't wait till they took their naps so I could take a nap because it, it, it wears you out. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, last week I was in the Outer Banks of North Carolina, surrounded by six grandchildren who all were tugging on me and wanting me to go play in the pool, to go in the ocean with them and to play tic-tac-toe. And I had to somewhat set a schedule because I couldn't interact with all six of them at one time uh, because of the age differences. But I know exactly what you were talking about. And by the time it was bedtime, I was one of the first ones asleep. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I feel like I'm on vacation now. They all wanted to come home with me, but I wasn't able to bring them home this week. But I will see them again in a couple of weeks. That's great. One of the things on your website, you talk about a growth mindset versus a fixed mindset. And that brings us back to that curiosity thing. So can you tell us what the difference is and why a growth mindset is so important? Learning and intelligence can grow with time and experience. And that's the growth mindset versus a fixed mindset as you go into what we conceive notions. The way that you can foster a growth mindset in kids, it's important for you to kind of explain to them. And again, as little as they are, they want to understand this. But as they get older, four, five, six, seven, they start to understand this, is that the brain works like a muscle. You know, that it can grow through hard work. So the more you exercise your brain, just like if you're, uh, you know, in your 20s and you're lifting weights, uh, the, 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 the more and more it's going to get better. It's, it's going to take lots and lots of practice. You know, so it's important that you kind of convey that to, to the kids is let's keep exercising your brain. Let's come up with some new things. One thing you do not want to do is tell kids that they are smart and gifted and talented. You know, it makes them feel like they were born with that knowledge. It doesn't really encourage them to go out and grow. You want to always be encouraging to learn new things. Let them know that when they demonstrate a growth mindset, in other words, when they create that curiosity, you want them to keep asking. You know, don't stifle that. Praise the process. Take uh, effort and hard work and practice and allow the children to, to, to create their own potential. So give them some leeway. Also consider how you're talking to your kids. You know, as, as we've learned in reading books and you're asking about the words have meanings and communication. It's an important message that they have. Instead of saying, it's not that hard, say, you can do hard things. Put your mind to it. You can do that. Don't always have to praise the results. You know, when you think about it, test scores are rigid ways of measuring learning. 
you want to make sure that they continue to learn. Much like life, and I'm sure at our age, we have experienced this many, many times. I can tell you I have. You know, embrace all the failures and the steps that the kids do. Kids learn just like we do, that, uh, sometimes more when they fail. Let, let them fail. There's, there's nothing wrong with that. Let them make a, a lot of uh, mistakes. Because, you know, again, that's all part of the uh, learning process. I'm sure you can tell me just like I can tell you. There's nothing like the feeling of struggling through a very difficult problem, only to find out that you can break through and solve it. You know, the harder the problem, the more satisfying it is. So let these kids be curious. Let them try to figure things out on their own. Don't tell them everything. That's part of their growing and understanding. Making mistakes and being children's disappointments, you know, that's part of growing up. You know, we can focus by saying things like, like how you tried a new way to solve that. It may not have worked, but you tried. That's the way to do it. So, and you want to encourage participation, collaboration in group learning. Again, with, and that's why I like having all my six kids together one time, grandkids, is, you know, they feed off each other. They learn from each other. You know, they get into a topic and they can start. And then all of a sudden, you know, the little ones are learning from the big ones. Sometimes the little the big ones learn from the little ones, too, because, you know, just a whole different way of doing it. You know, get, you got to get kids excited about the subjects uh, by explaining, tell them how important it is, how really if you've learned these things, it's going to help you in the long run. Um, and you, you want to encourage and model positive self-talk. Yeah, if you notice that a child is being critical of themselves, which they are, you know, they, they, uh, they, they feel bad, they feel stupid, you know, explain that it's more important to treat themselves with respect like they treat others. Uh, but sometimes, you know, a child says, I can't tie my shoes. And yet in the end, you not, can't tie your shoes yet. So those are the kinds of things that, uh, that, that I view as, as helping to rear kids. Well, it goes back to the age-old motivation. Is it an internal motivation or is it external? And something as simple as not saying, I'm proud of you, but saying, you must be proud of yourself for accomplishing whatever that task was. And that puts the ownership of the task and the motivation on the child and the reward on the child, as opposed to doing something because you want to make your grandmother proud, but instead you feel pride because you know that you have worked hard to accomplish things. I find myself going back into the old, oh, I'm so proud of you. And then I try to catch myself and say, oh, I know you're proud of yourself because you worked hard, you know, whatever the situation is. And you can see the kids' faces just light up when you have acknowledged that they worked hard. And I love that. I love that about helping kids grow and discover who they are. Yeah, but they also like to please the grandma. So, you know, they, they want to make That's sure. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> because they want to be the best fan kid. Yeah, they want to be number one. So uh, they want to make sure. <laughs> the best. Tell me about your grandparenting journey. When did it start? Tell me about your grandkids, how old they are. Grandkids, the oldest is eight and she's turning nine tomorrow. And the youngest uh-huh. is one and he turned one about uh, three months ago. The six are in between. There's four boys and two girls. Uh, and it really is, 
it's fun watching the boys uh, interact. You know, what, what's kind of fun is, uh, you know, during this year of COVID, uh, we didn't see the kids a lot, just like most other people. And again, got two in Texas and two in Florida. In order for them to remember who we were, we started to play a game with them. And for some reason, these boys love dinosaurs. They, they can name, I at two and three and four years old, they can name all kinds of dinosaurs. I have no idea who they are. So we decided to take advantage of that. And we started to play a game of where are the dinosaurs today? So we have a group of these dinosaurs, which, you know, when they've been to our house, they'd all touched them and played with them. Um, and every day we would move the dinosaurs someplace else doing something different. So for instance, we had the dinosaurs in the refrigerator eating the blueberries and the strawberries. Uh, we had the dinosaurs helping the, the grandmother uh, wash the dishes. So they had soap on their nose and they're washing the dishes. We had them you know, in, the, uh, in, the, in the washing and drying machine, helping them to, to move the clothes. We had them going up the steps. We had them playing the piano. Uh, we had them you know, in the bathtub. So what we did to kind of get the kids engaged knowing that we couldn't do it is every night we would uh, put them in a different situation. And what happened, what evolved is every night, right before, right after dinner and before they went to bed, they would call and my wife would pick up the phone and they would say, where's Gramps? Where's Gramps? He's right here. Where's the dinosaurs? What are the dinosaurs doing tonight? We've got 50 different situations around the house and outside the house where the dinosaurs were doing something different. And consistent. It was a way to keep bonding with the kids. They would call and want to know what the dinosaurs do in the night. And we'd take them over and they look at the dinosaurs and they talk about the dinosaurs. Uh, then they call the next night and oh, where are the dinosaurs tonight? Uh, and they would they would ask Gramps and let's let's go look at the dinosaurs. So I think as a grandparent, especially when you are remote, kids have plenty of other things to think about. You know, you, are, you hope as a grandparent that they're thinking about you first. That's not necessarily the case. Um, and so you want to do something for these kids to remember who you are. And so, yeah, when they, uh, when they came in last week, they were chasing around the house looking what the dinosaurs were doing. Um, so that just happened to be our particular way of keeping our grandkids engaged you know, through this whole COVID uh, issue. It's a really fun game. I wish I had thought about it because I also have four grandsons and they are just in love with dinosaurs ever since they were toddlers. They love dinosaurs. Our grandchildren are actually about the same age. I also have six grandkids ranging in age from 18 months to nine. And the boys are nine, eight, seven, and six. And they just all had birthdays between the middle of May to the middle of July. They all have birthdays. So it's a, it's a fun, fun time in our house when they're all together. And last week on vacation, it was just marvelous. I just enjoy being with them so much. I'm curious about your name. How did that come about? When uh, they first were born, we we're trying to figure out what's an easy name for the kids to remember. And you know, as you as you probably well know, kids start to can say G pretty fast. So uh, I decided to call myself Gramps. Jeffrey happens to be my middle name, and so I figured oh, I'll become Gramps Jeffrey, and that became my pen name. Now, what's interesting about Jeffrey, spelled J E F F R E Y. 
which is one way to spell it. The majority of people spell it the other way, J-E-F-F-E-R-Y. But what's, what's so funny about this is my wife still spells it wrong. After all these years of marriage, she still throws it the other way. So that's one of the reasons I decided I'm going to put it <laughs> on paper. I want her to learn exactly how I spell my middle name. So what's your wife's grandma name? Bubby. She is known as Bubby. And how did that name come about? It was what she called her grandma. And again, the bees are pretty, they come pretty fast when you're a little kid. So it made it easy for, uh, for the kids to go Bubby. And summing up your book and your outlook on grandparenting. What advice would you give to other grandparents and especially to grandparents-to-be, those who haven't quite joined our grandparents club yet? Grandparents really have that unique ability to enjoy the kids and give them back, okay? So you want to make sure that, uh, that while they're here that you enjoy them and they enjoy you. Like for instance, you know, my wife and I have different ideas of discipline. She is under the schooling that you can't watch cartoons until you have your breakfast. Whereas I'm under the schooling is let's have breakfast and watch cartoons together. Um, but you have that luxury. And uh, so, so you need to take advantage of that. But you also don't lose sight that you are a real role model. And these, these kids, because the kids see the respect for their grandparents from their parents. You know, they, they, they're, they're, the kids love their mom and dad and they have comfort to, to put them, let them go and let them be with you alone. And so, so you've got that responsibility as a role model. And here's an opportunity where if you think you ever didn't teach your own children the right thing or you didn't have time to do it, or you were too busy working and didn't have a, a chance to let them know, this is where you can skip that generation and make it happen for these grandkids. Uh, kind of make sure you're spending quality time with them. Do all the things we talk about with the challenging them and, and reading to them and asking them questions and getting them involved. Uh, because over time, it's going to pay off. You may not feel it the first week you're with them, but if you do are consistent, be consistent. That's probably what grandparents need to be. If you be consistent time after time after time, visit after visit after visit, you know, you are going to create a bond with these kids like no other. And it's in support of your kids. That's what you're really doing. You're supporting your kids to be better parents. Um, so take advantage of that and just enjoy the moment because you never know how long it's going to last. That's a nice philosophy of supporting your children as parents, because as grandparents, we have to remember we are not the ones in charge anymore. And it's hard for some grandparents to release that role. But I think if we look at it as we are supporting our children and we have a supporting role and accept that, the whole dynamics of grandparents, the grandchildren, is so much better. And in the end, it's our grandchildren who benefit from that. Well said. I agree. Where can our listeners find you on the internet and find your books? They can find the books on Amazon or Barnes and Noble or Target or most uh, independent uh, bookstores. Again, the title is I Don't Want to Turn Three. It's by Gramps Jeffrey, J-E-F-F-R-E-Y. You can find it that way. Site's got the I Don't Want to Turn Three dot com, turning three dot net, uh, Gramps 
jeffrey.com. So there's plenty of places on the internet you can learn more about the book and the philosophy and things like that. But yeah, it's really easy to do. Just pick it up at any of the, the major, major online sites. This has been a wonderful conversation. I don't have a lot of grandpas on the podcast and it's not by design. It's because I just haven't encountered many grandpas who want to come on my podcast. So I am so glad you were here. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you very much for inviting me. I hope you have enjoyed today's episode of the Adventures with Grammy podcast. You will find the links to our guests and the topics we discussed in this episode's show notes. If you would like to be a guest or if you know someone who would be an awesome guest, please connect with me at carolyn at adventureswithgrammy.com. <laughs>